0: Hello everyone, welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 191. One of the things that causes us a lot of suffering is having a comparing mind. And this idea of a comparing mind is, is that when you look at what someone else has, you suddenly find yourself wanting more. You ever gone through these days when you just feel a bit discontent with your lot in life? And you look around and you think, you know, there's got to be something better, something more. It's like a discontentment of sorts. I think it's a common thing. Uh, This idea of looking at your own life and then comparing it To someone else's and perhaps wanting another's life looking at other people and wishing you had that and I was thinking that this morning when I was out walking the dog I was thinking that I think there are times and seasons for this Uh, although some of us will no doubt struggle with this more than others I know there's going to be people that will say you know I always have this it isn't times and seasons it, is, it has accompanied me my entire life. And it's always there. I'm always sort of comparing. Uh, but for others, it's going to be more seasonal. I remember at one point when I was uh, finished with graduate school and I looked at other people who were getting what I classified as good jobs, and that's where I really found myself in that place of comparison. It's like, well, how come they have that really great job and, and I don't have one? And of course, it even makes you feel worse than you already feel because you have this added thing, you know, you're looking at someone else and looking at what someone else has that you really want, this comparing mind. Yeah, I think it's common. I think it's common that we can look at other people and see something about their lives or their person. And uh, yeah, maybe even at your core, you're a content person. But actually, it's just as difficult if you have someone in your life that's envious of you. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, that... You're fine with your lot in life, but there's someone around you that is envious of you. That's hard, yeah. With envy, there's always something missing, Uh, this comparing mind. There's something, something's wrong, something could be better. And our concentration is placed on what is missing, And it can be a physical thing like money, for example, that money is missing, I don't have enough. Or things that money can buy. You're looking at someone else and they have a lot more. And you can sort of feel yourself drifting into this, this envious state or this comparison state, and actually can cause quite a bit of stress if you stay in it too long. And it might not be money or possessions, it could be you could look at someone and desire a quality they have, like their success or their creativity. Or you could look at their family life and say, well, I wish my family was stable and happy and all together like that family is. Or my children aren't as happy or successful as this family's children is. You know, it's, it can be anything really. And it has capacity to take over and steal your joy. It can color everything, which is why Jesus speaks about envy on more than one occasion, he's done a teaching on envy, and actually, it's also a part of the Old Testament teachings, too. So, I wonder if the disciple Peter was having a day of discontentment when he asked Jesus uh, <laughs> this is great. He asked Jesus, this is the setup for the parable that Jesus gives on envy and on comparing yourself to someone else. Is Peter. And he asks Jesus what special reward or benefits the 12 disciples would get for following him. And we're in Matthew 19, 19 and 20. And the idea is, as Peter is saying, you know, he's been following Jesus for uh, some time now, and he's given up a lot. I mean, these men and women were truly committed. they're, They're with him daily. They want to learn his way of living and being in the world. And they had to sacrifice a lot. They they had to give up certain things so that they could do this, right? So they're committed. They're not like the others who just hang on for a short time, hear the teaching, and then if it's not going accordingly uh, the way they want it to go, then they just leave. They're not like that. They're, They're committed. And so Peter says, you know, we're really, we've given up a lot for you and everything, and I'm wondering if there's, like, some sort of special benefits for us. You know, something special, because we're, you know, we're serious about following you. And, of course, if you know anything about Jesus' teaching at all, he never asks, answers questions uh, in a straightforward manner. What he does is he discerns the problem. He pinpoints the heart of the matter. And he zeroes in on the real problem, not the apparent problem, not even the question. He looks below the surface at Peter's question. And he sees in Peter and all the others a weakness, a frailty, That's the old biblical word, a frailty. It's a a particular kind of pain that rarely anyone will admit to. And that kind of suffering is called envy. Now, people will admit to all sorts of weaknesses and sins and addictions They'll say they're angry. They'll say that they're impatient. They'll say they're intolerant. But you'll rarely hear someone actually say it out loud. I am envious. Now I have heard people say it, but I'm—I think it's rare. Uh, I think it's a hidden thing. Uh, I wonder if there's a, a little bit of uh, shame and embarrassment about it. You know, I think—I think that's why people are are. Very hesitant to admit that they're envious. I think they, they're a bit embarrassed by the whole thing. To actually admit, and maybe even admit to yourself, that envy has a hold on me. Yeah, that's, that doesn't sound good. I mean, nobody really bothers if you say things like, if you say, oh, I've got such a bad temper, I'm so, I'm so short-tempered, or I'm so impatient. It's like, yeah, people go, "Mm, yeah, pretty common. It's not, not really a big deal. But if you were to say, I'm so envious of him. He has what I want and I want it. And it makes me, it stresses me and it makes me uncomfortable and it makes me angry. And it makes me discontent when I look at what he has and I don't have it. Now, you don't really hear that. You really don't hear that too much. And yet, I think it's very, very common to people. You know, when you think about the Ten Commandments, coveting is listed twice. Now, coveting, we don't use that word much, but it's wanting what some someone else has. Right? That, that's basically what the commandment of coveting is about. It's looking at what someone has and it could be their possessions it could be a relationship they have or anything else and and you want it you want it really badly and you don't really like them much because of it yeah so When Peter asks the question, Jesus, you know, we've been really serious about following you and we're really committed and I want to know if we're going to get something extra, a little, you know, like a benefit of some kind. I mean, what's in this for us since we're so committed? That that was the question. And Jesus does not answer the question Instead, he gives a story. He gives a parable. And in the parable, uh, the answer comes out. But he liked to, he liked to give parables. He, he never made it obvious. And I think the idea with a parable is, is that uh, you'll hear it when you're ready to hear it. You know, we can't receive teachings until we're ready to receive teaching. Uh, if, if you need to learn about forgiveness, you're not really, the, the penny won't drop. You won't be open to it until you're ready. And all the other teachings and all the other readings or all the other conversations about forgiveness, it, it doesn't make any difference until you're actually ready. So parables work in the same way. They give you a story and uh, yeah, you might be ready for it, you might not be. But, of course, the idea is that all was there. And the day that you are ready, you'll remember it, and it'll change your life. So the parable is this. It's a really simple one. It's about this landowner who went out to hire some workers to pick the grapes. And he went out early in the morning at 9 o'clock, and he found some workers, some grape pickers, and he said, I'll pay you whatever's right And everybody was in agreement, okay, we're off to the vineyard. We're going to go and and pick our grapes. And that's great. And the landowner went out again at uh, lunchtime, and again at three o'clock, and again at five o'clock. And each time he went out, he would hire some workers. And they were all out in the vineyard picking the grapes. And then at the end of the day, when the evening came, landowner uh, comes back to give everyone their wages. And he paid the five o'clock workers first and he gave them a full day's wage, which was an amazingly wonderful, delightful surprise. It's like, really? You're giving us a full day's wage and we just came in at five o'clock? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh, wow, this is fantastic. And off they went happy. And the landowner did the same thing for the three o'clockers and the 12 o'clockers, the noontime people, gave them a full day's wage. And they're all thrilled, right? They're all thrilled to go, away we happy? This is just fantastic. Completely unexpected, this generosity, completely unexpected. And then the nine o'clock people came and the nine o'clock people got a, a day's wage basically and they said well that's not fair Uh, he said what do you mean it's not fair well they said you just gave us a day's wage you made everybody else equal to us we've been slogging all day in the scorching sun and you gave everyone the same amount as as us and the landowner said "I i didn't do you any wrong we agreed on this. When I hired you at nine o'clock in the morning, I said, I'll, I'll give you what's fair. And you said, okay. And you were happy with that. You were perfectly happy. I said, I'll give you a fair wage for the day. And you said, great, I'm in agreement. And you went off perfectly happy. And now you come back and you tell me, you complain to me, you made them equal to us. And the landowner says, can I not do whatever I want with what belongs to me. It's my money. Or what's going on here? Are you envious because I'm generous? And then the parable ends. Are you envious because I'm generous? Is that what's going on here? Yeah, so it's this whole idea of, you know, I can be very content with my little car or my little house or my vacation or whatever, right? Until I start looking around and see something else that I would prefer. Now you can be this comparing mind c- can operate at so many different levels and in so many different ways. I mean, it could be I'm comparing in the sense that I wish I was that intelligent or I wish I was that successful, however you would view success. Or I wish I looked like that. Or I'd be happy too if I had that wife if I had that husband, if I had that partner, I'd be really happy too. So there's the the comparison. Why, Why are my kids so difficult? Money, position, influence, creativity, age, whatever we desire, health, whatever we desire that someone else has. And when this comparing mind surfaces in a home, in a group, in an organization, at work, it it invariably leads to criticism of some kind. So the, the line here in this text is, the workers grumbled against the landowner. That word grumble is a great word in the original language it's gogidzo they muttered they were discontent they criticized they complained yeah when you're muttering when you're discontent when you're criticizing when you're complaining what is going on what's going on there why are you comparing why the parable says are you envious just lifts it up at the end isn't it is this really what's going on here Peter yeah you're, you're you're asking me uh so we're really serious about you and and we've given up a lot to follow and we're really committed to your way and your teaching and uh, because we're really really committed as opposed to the others who are sort of half-hearted is, are, are, is there something special in this for us and Jesus tells the parable, it's like, hold on here. Really, are we dealing with, are we dealing with envy here? Are we dealing with a, Peter, is it really, you're comparing all the time. You're comparing. Which is like a kind of a judgment, isn't it? When you compare, you're judging. Comparing. So interesting, you know, for those of you who read uh, Dante's Inferno in college, which I happened to, had, have, I did read it actually. There's this great um, image of the Inferno, Dante's Inferno, where he had the envious laboring under cloaks of lead and their eyes were sewn shut with lead wire. It's kind of creepy, but it's this whole idea that they were spiritually blind. So in Dante's Inferno, which is all about the different levels of hell, it's a epic sort of poem. But anyway, he had these various different levels of hell. And on one of the levels, he had those who were envious. And he portrayed it by their eyes were tightly, closed they were so blind to what they had they had a complete lack of perspective it's like what makes you think what makes me think if i had what you know whoever what whatever i desire if i had what he had what makes me think that i would actually seriously be any happier i mean it's a fantasy It's a complete fantasy. I don't know what someone's life is like. I don't really know. I mean, I can imagine what someone else's life is like. I can imagine the perks and the benefits that they have that I might not have. But it really is all in my imagination. I have no idea. They could be miserable, right? They could be actually miserable. Could all just be a facade, So, so many things uh, when we look out and we want what someone else has, their job, their creativity, their family life. It's like, yeah, well, you're kind of imagining what it would be like. But, you know, it's really non-sight, It's invalid, Nvidia. invalid. There's no sight. Uh, It's a spiritual blindness. You're making the story up. It's a wrong perspective. Eyes sewn shut. It's your imagination. It's one big elaborate story. Yeah, that's what envy is. That's what a comparing mind is. You know, comparing mind when it gets to the point where it's stressing you out and when it makes you miserable and when it makes you sad and when it makes you anxious because you don't have what you want and you're frustrated, that's when it's gone overboard, right? The comparing mind can be helpful to a point, right? But as soon as it starts to take on a life of its own and... Stresses you out, and you're not satisfied with what you have, and you don't like where you live anymore. You don't like your family. You don't like your car. You don't like your job. You don't like whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah, something's gone wild. And and a, actually, on a very practical level, one way to deal with comparing mind when it arises because it will, is simply see it for what it is. I mean, it, you're, it's like you're exposing it in a sense. It's a, a flag that comes up. It's a red flag that comes up. You start to think about these things and you start to get envious. And then you can actually, in a very gentle way, just expose it. It's like, well, that's a nice story you're telling yourself, but uh, you know, it's a fantasy. It's an idea. You don't know what that other person's life is like. You have a very limited perspective. You have an invalid point of view. It's actually not even necessary to be embarrassed about it or ashamed of it. I think it's more of a flag that's saying, okay, I guess I have an emptiness here. But I don't think I'm looking at the right place to fill it. So the emptiness part's fine. I mean, Jesus spoke about that all the time. He'd say, are you empty? Are you feeling like there's something missing? Yeah, well, there is. You know, you're human. There is something missing. So come and, you know, follow me. Join yourself to me. And... uh, I'll fill you up in a way that you won't, you won't be so hungry. I'll fill you up in a way where you won't be wanting after things that will never satisfy. And, and looking over the fence at what someone else has, that's never going to work for you. You know, that's never going to satisfy. And you know, if you get it, you'll just go on to the next thing. That's, that's, the, that's the awfulness, you know. That's the hell of it all. Because when you actually secure it and when you get it, and then, well, I just want a little bit more. A little bit more of what? Well, whatever. Doesn't matter. Because I've always got this, this, this comparing mind, this need, that always wants just a little bit more. Yeah. That's really what I think one of the things that Jesus was pointing out to Peter. It's like, Peter, don't even go there. Don't even go there. You'll never, ever be satisfied if you keep comparing yourself to other people and and want a little bit more. Yeah, so there's the prayer and there's the heart cry. You know, God, help us with that. You know, when we are empty, when we are restless, help us to look in the right places to be filled and help us to look to you. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.